0: I'm Aditya Chakraborty, and coming up on this week's business podcast, Lord Manson announces an extension to the Scrappy Scheme. But is this an industrial policy fit to win an election? Plus, as Orange and Vodafone break O2's monopoly on the iPhone, we discuss telecoms, smartphones, and the business of communication. And Waitrose goes common. We analyse the continuing homogenisation of the high street after Waitrose makes its first moves in the convenience market. This is The Business from The Guardian. And here in the pod this week, we have Dan Roberts, the Garden's Head of Business, who's just arrived after helping Brighton police with inquiries. It's, uh, yes, it's been a long night and uh, I'm glad we're back in London. And Richard Ray is the Garden's Communications Editor. And away from all the gadgets, Richard, the room is your theatre impresario. Yes, that
1: is, yes. It is unfortunately just a rumour, and certainly nothing I've ever made any money from. But I have taken a couple of shows up
0: to Edinburgh um, and not made any money whatsoever. And also here is Julia Finch, our retail expert, who's never knowingly undersold. Is that right, Julia?
2: Never knowingly what? Undersold. (laughs) um, I'm still sort of trying to recover from that hideous image of Peter Mandelson smiling on the platform yesterday.
0: (laughs) And on that note, let's begin by heading down to the seaside. This
3: is The Business with Aditya Chakraborty. I'm sorry... We cannot do everything as a government, but that does not mean
0: doing nothing. So today I am extending our popular car scrappage scheme, <laughs> extending, it, extending it with extra money for an additional 100,000 cars and vans. And in support of our car industry too, in support of our car industry too, this government will stand by the Vauxhall workers in Ellesmere, Port and Luton where the workforce themselves have been the main driver of change. Yes, who else but Peter Manson speaking at the Labour Party conference in Brighton. The policy highlight of the business secretary's speech was his announcement that the government is extending the cash for clunkers scheme into New Year. The initiative, which gives anyone owning a car more than 10 years old a £2,000 subsidy if they buy a newly manufactured vehicle, has proved hugely popular since it was introduced in April. It's also provided a much-needed boost to the car industry and apparently has saved tens of thousands of jobs. Dan, you were in a conference hall. Did you learn to love Peter Manson?
3: Yeah, I mean, I've always sort of uh, – I've always had a lot of regard for his mind and his political now, so I, had, I didn't really warm to the, to the to the the showbiz yesterday. But um, I think um, it was really it was really instructive. I was in a fringe meeting last night um, with the SMMT, the motor industry um, lobby, and um, they were busily having a shindig to celebrate their, you know, windfall from, from Mandy. And, and in sweat, the man himself, uh, uninvited, walked up to the podium, uh, said, um, you know, you, you, you cost me a lot of money, but I love you really sort of thing. And, and left to this sort of rapturous applause from the car industry. And it was a very kind of old Labour moment, actually. Um, it, and, and I thought um, the scrappage scheme is a really interesting, uh, it's a very smart piece of economic policy. Um, it has, you know, helped um, soften the recession and it's a very smart piece of politics and it is shoring up Labour's union support and, 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 and its manufacturing base. What I don't think it actually is, is a smart piece of industrial policy. I think Mandelson of five, 10 years ago would have regarded all this with, with horror. I mean, there were some good... Good speeches yesterday from both manos and the darling talking about and smart industrial policy would be backing high-tech manufacturing would be backing
0: let's come back to yes. all that
3: in a second but i just want to pick up julia on something because
0: julia i remember you very clearly on this podcast not so long ago laughing about cash hunkers and saying it was a disastrous idea are you ready to eat humble pie now
2: no absolutely not um i still don't think it's a you know as, as dan was just starting to say it's not a smart smart move for industrial policy um the it's a boost for overseas manufacturers and gives our car dealers a boost along the way. It brings forward future sales. Um, second-hand car prices have gone through the roof because there's so, there's so far so f- fewer um, second-hand cars available, and it's not even green. You know, we're scrapping cars which are perfectly usable. I don't, I, it seems to me to be contrary to everything that we've been trying to do.
0: When it comes to industrial policy, Richard, we used to hear from Peter Manson a lot of talk about the knowledge economy and how Britain should emulate the example set by Silicon Valley. What's happened to all of that talk? I'd
1: love to know it seems to have disappeared actually uh, something that Dan said I, I thought was extraordinarily telling uh, about the speech which was that, um, well the, after the speech at the um, fringe meeting that it was an old labor moment and I love the idea of an old labor moment involving Peter Mandelson um but it's the original plan was um the digital Britain and this this grand scheme they had for um, for technological innovation in the in the UK that would be the next sort of decade uh, the white heat of technology would finally ignite um and then we seem to have gone right back to talking about actually manufacturing is really what is important and there have been a lot of naysayers for some time saying that the creative industries look great and they get great headlines but actually it's that manufacturing base it's people who make things um, is really where we should be putting quite a lot of our investment a lot of our skills for a lot of people in this country yes we need them to be able to use computers but we also need them to be able to do more than just play games to go back to your point specifically about um, innovation and turning this country into uh, into the u.s. Um, It's looking, sadly, even less likely than it was a couple of years ago. Um, The credit crunch and the way that politicians here are now talking about really reining in the way that people spend money and specifically reining in um, rich individuals and people who would be angel investors – is counter to what happens in the States, which is a lot of these people put the money into Twitter and Facebook and all these businesses. And we've got this, this serious worry now here that, um, people who should be investing in interesting startup companies are not going to be keeping their money here. They'll be, you know, running off to possibly the States or various places in, in Europe. Um, and suddenly we go we end up going backwards. So we're not supporting manufacturing and we're suddenly not supporting
0: digital Britain either. That's odd. Okay, and let's go back to from our own correspondent, Dan Roberts, <laughs> live, live from Brighton almost. I'm um, over oh, no, from Brighton. <laughs> as, well, as, as well as Peter Manston, the, the master of vaudevillian political theatre, we also had Alistair Darling. Um, what was he like?
3: Well, it, very curious, because you had a 24-hour moment when um, the rhetoric on, on bank bonuses was suddenly ratcheted um, up, having been played down for, for months. And in fact, only at the weekend in the G20, Britain was playing this very cautious role on bank bonuses. And I really thought for a minute there, there'd actually been a, a policy change. And, and, and you know, you, you listen to... to darling speech and he talks about this legislation coming up and uh, uh, there is still a chink there you think maybe there's been some movement i have to say having slept on it i'm now back to my s- normal cynical self and i think there was just a little bit of more theater and some more posturing and actually their policy on 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 cleaning up the banks is still pretty weak and still pretty timid and there's always a lot of criticism
0: of the Westminster village and how they those politicians and the special advisers, they live in their own bubble and they don't really get the sort of the issues that real businesses face well Brighton's one of those places where you get a kind of interface between the two do you think they do get it
3: um I, it felt more bubble like than 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 i can remember i mean I, I i mean i'm not a seasoned veteran like some people in this building i've probably been to three or four labor conferences and this was the the most introverted i thought what was really telling was there were none of the kind of um kind of young thrusting um business types in shiny suits wandering around with clipboards that you normally get at conferences you mean, you mean corporate carpet Cor- bagging yeah <laughs> i mean there was I, I i didn't see a single corporate stand there um and i think i was at um brighton um for labor in 95 or 96 and i just remember the hall being absolutely full of britain's you know biggest companies all wanting a piece of the action and it'd be really interesting whether manchester next week is yeah. a sort of a similar kind of mood but brighton this week was a you know a business-free zone thank you dan you can read more about party conferences at guardian.co.uk
0: slash politics and be sure to catch our politics weekly podcast this week for a full roundup of the events down at brighton There's never been an iPod that can do this. Or for that matter, this. Yes, it's the phone, come internet browser, come style accessory, come red rag to party muggers. What else but the iPhone? Nearly 7 million Apple's super smartphones have been sold worldwide. And this week, Oranger and Vodafone have broken rival operators O2's exclusivity deal for all iPhone contracts in the UK. The news is expected to spark a price war in run-up to Christmas. But Richard, is this all good news for the consumer? Should be, yes. Um, just one specific thing about Christmas.
1: Um, we're gonna, it's going to be O2 and um, Orange who will be fighting at Christmas. And, and Vodafone. Vodafone doesn't get it quite until the new year, um, sort of January, February time, you'll expect that. Yes, it will go down in price. Um, there's a couple of reasons for this. Firstly, that you know, obviously they want to compete heavily against O2, who've really used uh, the iPhone as a brand builder over the last two years and done phenomenally well with it. Um, secondly, that because more than one operator has it, it's actually changed the way that the deal works between Apple and the operator – In the old days, the operator had to give money back to Apple every single time that person used the iPhone because there was a very exclusive, very close relationship and only one company had it. That's been broken. So it's just a basic handset in the same way they buy handsets from Nokia or Samsung or LG or whoever. So they can start setting their own sort of retail price and working out how long you have
0: to sign up for. But it will be cheaper. Exactly how much cheaper, we're not sure yet. And. What sort of person buys a smart smartphone? Is it just business people and would-be architects?
1: or are, is, is the market actually growing? <laughs> yes, it is. Um, and it, bizarrely, it's the only bit of the market that really is growing when it comes to handsets. Um, over the last couple of years, a lot of people during the recession have held on to their old phone and have gone to a SIM-only deal from O2 or Vodafone or whoever and just put that SIM card bang into their, into their old phone. Um, the rest of the market and quite a significant number of people have migrated well beyond the handset they currently have. So they've gone to an iPhone, they've gone to a top-end Nokia, to a BlackBerry Storm or something like that, one of these handsets that can access the Internet and and do everything else. So the only bit of the handset market itself that's really been, um, been growing has been the smartphone market. And we've talked about phones that people can use to do more than send text and make calls for years and years and years but really it wasn't until the iphone turned up and really changed the the mobile game that we started to have similar devices that really could do this and you weren't spending hours and hours and hours waiting for something to download or waiting to access a a website so it really has been a, a big change the smartphone market is going and becoming ubiquitous most people now have a phone that
0: can access the internet and how much is the smartphone market worth by your estimation
1: in percentage terms, um, it's actually quite small in terms of volume, because we've got a lot of emerging markets where people are getting their first ever phone, and that's going to be a very low-end low end phone. But when you look at the actual value, um, it's actually quite a significant proportion. It's somewhere between, I think, about 20 and a quarter, uh, 20% and a quarter.
0: Dan, there's a, this mobile phone market began as bricks, and now it's extended to matrix-like devices. Where do you, where do you fit into that as a consumer? I'm a
3: huge fan of the of of, of Apple, um, but I've always found the iPhone quite clunky for for email. If you're a sort of email addict, I'm afraid the Blackberry doesn't really, it, it can't really be beaten. So um, so I'm 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 still waiting for the ubiquitous device that can kind of do it all for me. It hasn't quite arrived yet. Julie, is this anything more than boys' toys, or are you also into smartphones?
2: Oh, sorry, I'd fallen asleep. <laughs> completely the wrong person to ask about anything to do with mobile phones. I've had my mobile phone for ten years. I've had it reconditioned twice and uh, it should almost be in a museum now. And I have no interest in having anything flash or basically, I can't understand them, is what it comes out of. Rick, unfortunately, has the uh, misfortune of (laughs) sitting opposite me and spends most of his time trying to fix my gadgets and computers. (laughs) He's my personal tech support person. Well, Rick, that's actually quite an interesting point,
0: isn't it? Because will we get a move towards retro phones, you know, towards the old-fashioned brick, which are just simple to use and you know where you are when, you know, when you've got one in your hand?
1: Well, the the, the big reason, and I suspect the big reason that Julia keeps hold of that old phone, is because the battery lasts forever and ever. (laughs) And you don't, yeah, Yeah. and you don't need to remember to charge it up again. Um, And Bizarrely, that is one of the most important things. That's one of the big leaps that there has been in, in smartphones over the last couple of years. Was that um, the iPhone? Yes, you are still going to have to charge it up every night, especially if you use it as an iPod. But some of the other phones, and specifically the Nokia phones, you don't have to remember to always always plug it in. Um, but Julia is a is a is a useful case for this because until they manage until the companies manage to persuade her to, to do more than just send text and um, and make phone calls on her phone. Um, this smartphone market isn't ever going to become ubiquitous or we'll just wait till she gets older
2: i'm not alone in this though i think if they could find something and manage to to teach all these 40 something women out there who've got far more important things to do than read little books telling us how Ah, to to work them or worse still watch videos or uh then you know there's a huge market out there i'm willing i'm willing i just i've not been tempted is there an app
0: that you want julia a what An, an app no but you see, this is the this is the
1: this is the terrible male thing: is that we say we use the gadget terms, um, and actually, what you want, and this is why the iPhone, again, I think, is, is very good. I know it doesn't it doesn't do everything the Blackberry does, so Dan, it's not going to be your, your kind of thing for email, and it is quite difficult to do email. Um, but it's more about what do you want to do, not what app would you want? You know, or do you want it to turn into a into a flashlight? But what do you want to do with your mobile phone? If I said actually your mobile phone would help you find a pub near this building that is that you're not going to get knifed in, no you talking. would, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You would say, yes, that sounds great. Now, someone else would say, do you want an app that finds pubs? You'd say, no. So it's the way that it's been communicated. And the iPhone is also very good because you don't read the manual. In fact, it doesn't come with a manual. I think there's one online if you really want to search for it. You plug it into your computer, and your computer says, hello, here's your phone number. Plug, it, plug you in. Do you want to put some music on it? Oh, there's an application store. Why don't you try again? And it really just t- takes you straight through. Um, it's one of the things I do whenever I review phones is I throw the, phone, I throw the book away. Because no one ever reads the instruction manual. And if you can't use it, which is why I don't like Nokia phones, if you can't use it without using the manual, don't buy the phone.
0: And finally this week, if you thought you'd had enough of Tesco's and Sainsbury's taking over your local high street, well, there's more bad news on the way. Waitrose is to make a move into the convenience market, where plans to open 300 small stores. It'll also further its presence, beyond Islington at least, through a landmark agreement with Boots, which will see Waitrose food sold in Boots and Boots health products on sale in Waitrose. Julia, what's your
2: reading of all of this? I think it's fascinating. You know, think that sort of 12 months ago, when we were at the looming recession, everyone thought that Waitrose, and uh, especially Waitrose and Marks and Spencers, were going to be absolutely hammered by the recession. Um, And... You know, the discounters like Aldi and Lidl were roaring ahead. Their sales were going up 20-odd percent. And we were all sort of forecasting the, the, the demise or you know, the decline of Waitrose and the sort of foodie, uh, foodie shops. Now, as it's turned out, quite the reverse has happened. Um, Waitrose is running on rails, roaring ahead. Its sales growth, was, uh, the last figures, were about 11%. I know that takes into account, you know, new stores opening. But compare that to Tesco with its sort of lowly 4.5% and they were really showing Tesco how to do it.
0: But what happened to Waitrose, the middle-class store?
2: Waitrose is it's it's still a middle class store. It's still it's aspirational. But they did something quite cute at the beginning of this year um, in that they launched this massive range of um, value products called essentials. No one would ever have associated value products with Waitrose. And actually, they're not that cheap. But they look, they look fantastic, they're in fantastic packaging, and th- the whole thing has just worked. And that, that's, that range, which is about 1,200, 1,500 products, something like that, now accounts for getting on towards 20% of their sales. And it has undoubtedly dragged in a lot more customers, um, and the customers it's got have been have thought twice about going elsewhere, so they've, they've stuck with it. Let
0: me go to Mr. Crouch (laughs) End.
3: Dan Roberts, your natural Waitrose territory. (laughs) How do you feel about your store turning into uh, uh, an upmarket Lidl? I'm such a walking cliche because, in fact, we did shop at Ocado for a long time uh, and stopped doing it because it was too expensive. Came back to it uh, last week, in fact, and found that all of the orders we'd saved uh, were now all Waitrose value range. They'd automatically all turned over and i don't know what the saving was but it's quite a quite a substantial saving so all the stuff that we wanted to buy at waitrose that we stopped buying because it was too expensive we're now getting um you know a much more reasonable rate about the same as we pay when we shop at sainsbury's or tesco and it tastes better and i think the interesting social trend here i mean julia's the expert on all this other sort of thing but i i just think that years and years of you know wall-to-wall food programs on tv the whole jamie oliver effect is is it's beginning to really change people's attitude to food and People are generally the people lucky enough in this recession to still be in work are prepared to spend more money on food. Progressively each year people's and that and that is moving us more towards a continental European type attitude towards food, you know. Um uh the, the the way a french shopper approaches supermarket food um has always been that you know this is one of the most important spending decisions of the week and 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 quality is what is what counts and i think that, that what a lot of supermarkets are tapping into is precisely that effect here and i you know i think it's a good thing
2: julia what's in it for boots um waitrose customers i guess um there isn't actually that much food available on the high street If you think all those supermarkets have moved out of town, there aren't big supermarkets. There are some Simply Foods, there are some in-town supermarkets left, There's, there's, there's people like Iceland. But it gives you another reason to go into Boots to build it. They're going to sell mainly sandwiches and ready meals from what I understand. So that's, you know, a whole load of people coming in at lunchtime, looking for the evening meal, looking for their sandwich for lunch. Um, and that's, that's why they're doing it, because they think Waitrose is, has pulling power. It's going to pick, bring people in, and then whilst they're there, they'll sell, they'll sell other stuff to them as well. And on the, other, on the other way of looking at it is that Boots are getting to put their stuff into Waitrose as well. So they're going to put some of their cosmetics and their health and beauty products in, and they're going to run the pharmacies in the bigger Waitrose as well, which will be branded as Boots.
0: Rick, you cover a market in which there's a huge amount of difference. Uh, How do you feel about the high street becoming more and more all one? Homogenized. Well,
1: it's already full of umpteen different mobile phone stores, um, all offering pretty much the same thing. But uh, actually, one thing that that Julia said, which I wanted to pick up on, was the um, essentials, the the range. And you're quite right about the packaging, because it it looks cheap in the way that simple, the cosmetics brand looks cheap, um, in the fact that actually it's not cheap at all. It just looks very, very simple, as opposed to Tesco Value, which does just look Cheap cheap and nasty. It really does just look... You know, I was about to say a terrible unguardian <laughs> word, but um, there is the big difference between the two sorts of products. There's a big difference in the price as well, mind you. Yes, but you, this is the, the other strange thing is that actually a lot of the people who are going into Waitrose, yes, they should economise, but they're not actually going to starve to death. But they want to feel like they are economising. So if they're buying something that is cheaper but still kind of looks nice around the edges, um, they will feel better about themselves that if they bought the, the, the normal thing that they would buy. It's like, no, look, I've economised now.
2: Oh, can, absolutely. So now it's just Waitrose shoppers yeah. thinking, oh, well, I won't trade down to Sainsbury's or I won't you know, go and have a look around Aldi because I've now got essentials. So I stay well, there.
1: Glad you finally mentioned Waitrose as well, uh, Sainsbury's as well, because one of my favourite comments by Alan Cohen was that the best thing about Sainsbury's was it kept the
0: riff-raff out of Waitrose. (laughs) (laughs) And let's leave it on that happy note. If you want to leave a comment on anything you've heard, head to our blog at guardian.co.uk slash thebusiness. We're back next week, but for now, thanks to my panel, Dan Roberts, Julia Finch and Richard Ray. Our producer is Ben Green, I'm Adit Chakraborty, and that was Business.